everybody we're trying a new thing today um and so i am joined by uh courtney fraley my, my longtime friend our, our admin and a member of our new little uh let's say congregation community i don't know what word we're using today but a bunch of people who have come together to do god's stuff and ask a whole bunch of questions um and so we're starting our new thing here which i'm tentatively calling uh remote pastoral care because Pastoral care and spending time talking to each other is a lot about asking questions. And honestly, our community and the times don't make it easy for us to go find a pastor and sit down and talk with them. So Courtney has graciously volunteered to be the person who asks the questions and be on video kicking off this discussion. Um, and so I, I think, uh, thank you, Courtney, for that. And you're going you're gonna to lead off with our first question. And uh, those of you who have been eagle-eyed watching the video have noticed I monologued for a little bit because the video froze and I wanted to keep things consistent. Haha, -ha, it's a wonderful ah. All right, hey, hey. Courtney, Courtney, you want to drop your intro and uh, tell us who you are, what you do, and uh, we can lead on with our question. All right. Um, my name's Courtney, Courtney Fraley. Um, I have been friends with Don for a really long time. Um, and it is really nice to have uh, uh, it really unique to have a, a pastor that you were friends with first. Um, and I have had kind of an up and down relationship with Christianity. I was raised in the church. I, you know, was confirmed. I, I got married in a church. You know, I was just very close, uh, close knit into the traditional American Christian church for a long time. I had a background in, I was baptized Catholic, had a background in Episcopalianism, then ended up going to a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod, please, you know, press F for, to pay respects. Um, <laughs> but, but um, at the same time, I, I, uh, I've, I've really kind of grown away in a lot of ways. Um, I find now that as I'm reconnecting with my faith, I tend to experience it in a lot of ways that would have me soundly ostracized from most churches. Um, even before that, I was always the sort to, uh, even as a child, come up to pastors with tough questions. Um, a lot of really, really difficult sorts of questions. And the older I got, the more I noticed the sort of under the surface vibe of, can you not just shut up and worship? You know, can it, do you have, are you trying to, you know, catch, catch us in something? Are you, that you're just being, you know, confrontational, you're just being combative because you're being rebellious. And oddly enough, it was more infantilizing as I grew older, because as a child, there was a certain level of, you know, yes, let's, let's teach this curious youngster about, about uh, Jesus and about the word. And the older I got, the more it was like, this broad again. <laughs> so, oh, it always um, blows me away how, how, how people get so upset when you're following Jesus and question entrenched power structures. Like, didn't he do that thing exactly? Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've had a lot of uh, sort of fulfillment from coming to the idea 
partly since becoming a parent, the idea of, you know, we're supposed to have faith like a child. Kids never stop asking questions. <laughs> so mine's not even old enough to talk yet and I'm already afraid. So, um, but yeah. Uh, so I am, I am the sort of non-traditional Christian. I, I believe the church can do some good things. I'm interested in, in trying to save it for myself. Um, but I also am not one who brokers a grip. Are, are we, are we keeping this, this clean? No. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the sort of person who brokers a whole lot of bullshit. Um, I just, I don't, I'm not down with just blindly buying into something. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a queer person who was raised in the church. And so that it was kind of a seed of, I'm not okay with just, you know, shoving stuff away and not thinking about it anymore. Like I, this has got to be, if I'm going to believe in something, it's got to, it's got to have a real basis. So I tend to come to you uh, in private message or phone calls or whatever, with a lot of really ridiculous, obnoxious questions. I wouldn't um, classify and, it that way, but I hear you. And so I, th I think we kind of realized at some point that maybe that this was something that could help other people as well. Um, my my off the wall, uh, <sighs> irreverent is maybe the wrong word for it, but infuriating questions <laughs> um, should be available for all. Um, so I, I am here in all of my uh, tired post kid gone to bed uh, beer in hand glory to ask you stuff that you're of not course. supposed to ask. Of course, the one the wonder of time zones being that you're in your uh, post kid beer in hand glory, and I'm here at like what 10:30 in the in the morning with my kid in the other room watching Robocar Poli. So yes, I, 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 re I rest here in America, clo closing my eyes to the insanity and reaching out for a friend in the pandemic, so. Well put, well hey. put. For those of you who are watching, you probably noticed already, but we are um, we are not making any effort to polish the language at all today. We're gonna, you know, there's been a longstanding tradition, uh, I don't say that in a good way, of Christians trying to appear super duper pious and not at all human in the way they go about life. And I, would agree with you in saying that that's bullshit. So there will be swear words in this. If that's not your thing, uh, you might want to find a different video and or community, but you know, you're welcome, of course, but you, you may get annoyed with the way some of us are gonna be talking. Uh, well, and I, I, do, I do tend to rub some people the wrong way and I'm getting do. around to, that's okay. Not, none of us is for everyone, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and that, I truly believe that if we if we are our authentic selves, we are going to rub people the wrong way. But part of being our authentic selves means being unashamedly who we are and being willing to accept that other people are being unashamedly who they are as well. Um, so the, I'm, the not, I'm not interested in in a church that needs me to be somebody other than who I am anymore. Exactly. And so the end result is, you know, you, Courtney, of course, and everyone else is welcome to be here for who you are, for uh, wherever you are in life. Uh, you know, we, we are a particular way our, ourselves, which does involve the, the occasional use of language. Uh, if you're not okay with that, then hey, that's you. You're still welcome here in whatever way you want to be. So, but that does lead us into what our, our first uh, topic is for today. Did you want to introduce yes. that? Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, this, this would be a tough one to keep uh, language clean in yeah. the first place i feel like a lot of them maybe we can just bleep things or whatever for you know if you want to watch this one with the kids although the kind of questions that i ask as as a uh 
uh, late 30 something. God, I'm going to be 38 next month. Anyway, as a late 30 something are going to be a little infrequently child appropriate. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I, I have an infamous potty mouth <laughs> amongst, amongst Dang. my, uh, uh, friends and loved ones. Um, I, I once had a, uh, a friend somewhat lovingly say that my language largely cons consisted of fuckity fuck fuck meme um which yeah was very well, accurate, accurate. um and we're recording thanks yeah. <laughs> anyway um so i uh i i got to a point where i was kind of one of the things that was making me just indignant at the concept of Christianity as I'd been taught it was the idea that you could go to hell for saying the word, the, 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 the filthy language ban, the idea that the particular vernacular in which I chose to express myself would condemn me um, up to and including uh, the one that I've received the most, you know, down the nose condemnation from uh, my elders about on occasion, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I swear a lot. I mean, a lot less now I've got, I've got a kid that's learning to talk and I'm like, not trying to have her first word be shit or whatever. And I think there's already a danger of that anyway. Um, but I just, the amount, the strength of condemnation and to the point of it being mentioned in the Ten Commandments about, you know, that thou shalt not take the Lord's name, the name of the Lord thy God in vain or whatever, depending on your translation. Um, I, I was like, really? This, this, this is what's that important? We're not, we're not going to note down, you know, uh, just it, it, skip over talking about genocide and like, um, just any number of let's not mention rape but we're totally gonna say you know you better not say goddamn or he will you know <laughs> like uh it just it just always struck me as petty and superficial like it's just words it's just words mm -hmm. um and especially the the idea that in like are moments of of deepest frustration that we must edit ourselves even in private lest we bring down hellfire it's it was yeah. just what it, it became to me very emblematic of really <laughs> just the pretense the pretense of the faith that i've been taught so my, my my boiled down question to you is what's the deal with taking the lord's name in vain and why is it such a big deal all right, so I'm going to try to answer your question, but I'm going to start by telling you a bit of an unrelated story that I think will connect to uh, to what we're trying to understand here. Uh, so as I've, as you've noticed, I know, and as other people who've actually seen me get legitimately upset have probably noticed, uh, I, I tend to respond with, uh, how should we say, very creative name calling. Uh, think, think like a very annoyed Doctor Who and you'll get the idea. Uh, and that's, you know, part of that comes from growing up poor where we use creative name calling as a means of affection towards each other, let alone a means of being upset with each other. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's one thing in all of that that I've never found myself calling anybody. 
And that is, I, I have a very, very hard time using the word fool to, to insult anybody. Uh, and the reason for this is because I grew up with uh, being taught a very kind of, I wouldn't say fundamentals, but definitely a very conservative form of Christianity. Um, and one of the verses that was harped into us very early on was, you know, uh, in, I think it's in Matthew, you, you know, if you call, if, if you're going to the temple to ask forgiveness and you can call your brother or sister a fool and you haven't gotten reconciled with them, then you're not getting reconciled. So I, I forget the exact verse because I'm a terrible pastor when it comes to scriptural recall. Uh, but my takeaway from that as a like middle schooler was, okay, so clearly the word fool is the problem. So if I call him a jackass, I'm fine. But as long as I don't call anybody a fool, I'll be good. Uh, Letter well, of the law rather than intent. Yeah, exactly. And that sort of like elementary school-esque interpretation is where we get this condemnation of people saying, God damn. Uh, because to take the Lord's name in vain, it's not about that. Um, it's, it's not about that at all. It's to take the Lord's name in vain is more literally to ascribe to the Lord beliefs, practices, or really anything that is contrary to the Lord, to be antichrist in the name of Christ, to put it in a new covenant context. Um, and that is, so when people who get up there, you know, saying God, good example, saying God damn is not taking the Lord's name in vain. Saying God hates gays is. Um, and so that is something that is often mistaught in churches is when, when we're talking about taking the Lord's name in vain, we're talking about using the instrument of religion to oppress. We're not talking about uh, controlling speech. Now, the fun part about that is, is I say fun when I clearly do mean the other thing, of course. Um, you know, the, the, the part about that is, is that we, we talk about people, um, you know, saying you can't say X, Y, or Z. It's a form of institutional control. Um, it, it's meant, uh, it, it's honestly, it's a standard cult playbook sort of thing. You control what people can and can't do. You control people what can and can't say, what they can and can't think. And it's a means of kind of enforcing belief. And this has been a real problem uh, with our faith as a religion for pretty much the last 15 to 1800 years. Uh, has been so most of the time most of, of it pretty much anything post Constantine really uh, has been this idea that we need to enforce the faith we need to mandate the faith we need to make people believe um, and so you'll you see that in in broad arc things like you know how we do evangelism in the world which is basically colonialism wearing a Christianity hat um, you know you see it in things like that you see it in you know, marketing and the way we run our churches, the way we preach the gospel, uh, the, this need to make other people believe. Uh, but it's also present in the small things too, how we teach our communities, how we do things like that. This belief that we as humans need to control what the people in our community think and say and do in order to make sure an, of an orthodoxy of belief. Uh, and to be honest, that's really the main reason why, and I doubt, I'm not what I don't want to put an intentionality behind modern Christians on this one that isn't there. I don't know that people think it through to this degree. 
uh, or that they're doing it as deliberately as all this. It's traditional. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm actually I'm I'm so tempted to like come to the the church's defense on this, which is hilarious given my own personal history. Um, another thing that makes me oddly well suited to what we're trying to do here is I am, and, and I I look forward to your facial expression on this. I, I could be described as argumentative. <laughs> oh, you're in good company. Um, um, one thing. On that point, one thing that I that always comes to mind when we, we talk about coming to the defense of the church in odd ways in this situation, um, I'm going to quote from a, an entirely different religious uh, text here, that being the, the Bible of the Marvel Universe. Um, <laughs> uh, having recently rewatched uh, the, the Captain America movies, there was a quote from the very first one that uh, I think applies as much to Christianity as it did to you know, World War II era Nazism. And that was when um, Dr. Erskine says that everyone forgets that the first country the Nazis invaded was their own. And apply that to the church, man. You know, the, the first group of people the Christians wanted to oppress was their own. You know, we started inside the church, we went outside after that. But there are all of these pieces of network control that have been layered on each other for decades that most of us in the modern church aren't even aware of. All right, but what's the what's the scriptural basis for this though? Um, I I I'm all for, here's the thing. I'm all for the idea of a re, a religious spiritual community mm-hmm. that makes sense, that's based on some ideas that in reality work for people i mean you know just again more disclosure about the sort of crazy bitch that's asking you questions on the internet mm-hmm. um not random mind you again like i said yeah. we've been friends for a long time which i feel like is an important right. disclosure for something like this you were one of my best friends you were an usher at my wedding but um that's right i, I forgot about that <laughs> yeah um but like my brain is tripping out right now it's the add um, I'm all for like a social spiritual community mm-hmm. that's worthwhile. That's that's yeah. based in trying, you know, reality and trying to help each other and you know practicality, some level of practicality. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you're going to make it a full blown religion, it has yeah. to be based in some sort of actual like. There's got to be some base. Right. For what you're working with. So what is so I always want to know, like, okay, well, what what is the scriptural basis for all this stuff? Because th- I mean, when you break it all down, I feel like what we've got is a book mm-hmm. to work off now, of. Now you want to talk about the basis for for forming modern religious communities. What is the scriptural basis for that? Not much. Uh, well, be- that, that, that's not really so much what I'm saying. I'm saying what is the script? That's a that's a different big question that we can talk about about the uh, the taking the Lord's name in vain and how it means, you know, it means less God fucking damn it and more God hates fags, you yeah. know, um, um, what is the scriptural basis for this? And also uh, a secondary question for, yeah. for, the, for the midterm exam here, um, <laughs> how did we get to thinking that it was about something as relatively harmless mm-hmm. because I'm, I, as you know, saying as saying, oh yeah. Jesus Christ, you know, um, well, something that that is in impact on the world, relatively harmless compared to saying, you know, um, hmm. oh, like 
interracial marriage goes against God to go with something a bit more right. antiquated that people can that even even the uh, loudest of the crazies can be like, oh well, that's nobody's saying that. Yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, they definitely were. There's a fun little bias in the way you ask that question. I want I want to show you because um, because part of those whole intrinsic community biases that we talk about things have been layered on for centuries. You know, you ask what's your scriptural support for saying you know it's more this than the other thing. Um, that assumes that this is that you know God damn it is wrong is the default position that I'm challenging. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, what is my scriptural support like? Pick up your Hebrew, read the Ten Commandments. You know, that's the, the word choices that are being used here. They're not talking about swearing. And like, to be perfectly honest, in, in ancient Hebrew, they didn't have swear words. That wasn't a concept that existed in that language. Really? Yeah. Um, the, way, the way that they communicated profanity was through a long cut, literally swearing oaths, like, uh, you know, I, I pledge by the Lord on high, I will end the type stuff. That was what profanity was uh, for the ancient Hebrews. And that wasn't what they were talking about? No, no, not even, not even in the least bit. It, it was uh, abu purposeful abuses of the Lord's name, which, you know, we can conflate that in English with profanity very easily because, you know, we have swear words. And so think, looking at that and thinking, okay, well, then that just means that God is also a, in the category of swear word. Uh, it makes sense to us in English, but that so would it not make sense how it got to that point, how people yeah. could have, without trying to be manipulative, how people could have come around to thinking, oh, yeah. well, this is what that means. Yeah. And the idea of swear words, like, it isn't just an English thing like that. That was there in Latin. And then uh, I think, I think in Greek too, I'm not actually sure how they swore in Greek very well. Um, I was actually paying more attention to the Bible than the swearing in my Greek class, I'll be honest. Um, less so in Hebrew, because I, I kind of had a lot more fun with that. Um, <laughs> but no, in, in, you know, in, the, in the kind of the mid-century languages, like the, the, the Latin and the Greek and things like that, there were swear words. So this isn't like a recent process. Uh, but yeah, no, if you go back to, to when these things first came to be, yeah, it had a lot more to do with usage, purposeful usage of the name and not to um, like the utterance of profanity uh, because it wasn't a thing. This one is apple juice. I did not just have another drink at the ready, <laughs> but. Man, I'm already jealous. Like I, I would have, so if it wasn't 1030. Well, you're it's actively watching, you're actively watching kids. It's a bit harder. Mine is asleep and will continue to be up there for almost another, she'll be up there for like another 10 hours. <laughs> I'm good. And I'm jealous. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, so it, it had, had nothing to do with that. And that's, you know, I talk about these institutions of control, you know, we talk about the church as an institutional structure, like it's the, the way it is now and the way it always has been. But like the modern juggernaut of institutional religion had to be built. Uh, and like anything that grows out of what is effectively a cult? It starts, if you want to go from a cult to religion, you start by means of control. Um, and the, the only other way to do that is to have complete, perfect faith in the universality of your own message. And- That doesn't happen. No, honestly, we're, we're hypocritical as hell when it comes to that, because we should have faith in the, in the applicability of Jesus' teachings to all, because he was teaching openness, acceptance, love, you know, all the good stuff. But- we take one look at that and we're like, 
yeah, nobody's going to buy that. That needs me to do it. I need to do my thing. I need to be the savior of the world. Forgetting, of course, that we already have one of those. Um, I, I feel I feel like we're tapping into another potential question that we can talk about later on, which mm -hmm. is basically uh, how can one possibly uh, create organized religion without corruption? Yeah. And, um, oh boy, that is the question on which we effectively build this entire you see, the, you see the sort of you're not supposed to ask that questions that you'll be getting from me for the next and however long really, you agree to do this like we should be asking those questions and honestly i'm i'm firmly the belief that part of the reason that religion particularly western christianity has gone so far off the damn rails is because we've avoided asking these questions for so long like we've relegated the important questions, the things we need to be considering, our moral and ethical debates have been relegated to the trash bin as somehow inappropriate. When all the while, you know, not asking those questions means we haven't explored the moral and ethical implications of anything after the like 1400s. So now it's just like you have to believe or you're not part of the group. We're still on in, we're stuck on in group out group dynamics when everyone else is like, debating, okay, are, is, if AI advances far enough, will we be able to offer them communion and salvation under Jesus Christ? Like, can a robot be saved? You know, we should be- Again, again this, is, this, is, this is spurring off, and uh, anyone watching this, I apologize for how seemingly disjointed this is. I, I promise we'll get the hang of this eventually, but we're still getting a lot of ideas. Yeah. Um, I, I, this that makes me wonder if the the faith has always been so fucking hung up about about the gays about about us queer folk you know and mm -hmm. like I, I keep mentioning this and i mentioned i have a kid full disclosure i'm one of the i'm i'm an easy gay um i i'm i'm bisexual and i married a man um and large partly it, it largely slash partly due, due to my uh conservative christian upbringing you know only person i've ever been with so i've never never experimented with the females or what have you which is its own entire like deep dive that depending on how wide i want to open my own soul here for other people to benefit from that could be a fun a fun, fun adventure i think i just answered my own question if this is what i can do if this is what i can do for the faith this is what i want to do yeah and, and exploring these things is is important and and, and i want to say it's not disjointed because the thing about these questions is they often connect to other questions and other, other ideas that need to be explored as well. And so we're going to, our, our main topic that we were exploring today was the whole Lord's name in vain thing. And we're gonna touch, we're touching on some of these other stuff that we will later on, uh, I hope, explore in, uh, in uh, bigger detail. Uh, well then, I mean, as <laughs> I, I joked about the beer in hand, I swear it's only one cider, but when you're, when you're getting up there in years now and uh like actively parenting a little monster all day a sweet little monster but a little monster all day and nursing on top of all of it um it doesn't take much so uh w w with loose lips i i have to ask things like you know what what does it mean to worship differently as 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 someone who pursues pursues the christian faith i mean you're talking to somebody who you know, and again, this is going to immediately make some people flick off the video and be like, this chick isn't Christian. She's just some pseudo spiritualist who's friends with the pastor. You're not wrong. <laughs> Necessarily. Um, you're talking, talking, this is this me, this person on mm -hmm. the video here is somebody who 
doesn't really know a lot of things anymore which is funny from someone who is is a foundational member of this like internet church thing i just well i think i think that's i'm important. in a place where i think this needs to happen whether it's whether it is too late for me or not well i, I think that that's it that's important right there a, a thing that you touch on the, the not knowing um we we christians for the longest time have ensconced ourselves in this position that we are the the gatekeepers of of, of knowledge about uh, God and life, the universe and everything and all 42 other related subjects. Um, but the thing is, so much of our theology is based on not we know, but we know a guy who knows. And that's about as far as we go. I mean, li literally all of Christian afterlife theology comes down to Jesus's one teaching on it, which is, in, you know, in my father's house are, are many rooms and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. It, that, that's it. That, like, that's, that's the whole of it is the, the, the whole heaven and hell archetypical constructs are like fanfic added on to the Bible. They're not the actual thing. Um, the rest of it's a big game of telephone. Yeah, pretty much. Um, as I say in the book I'm writing, a game of intergenerational bigoted telephone. Um, you know, but... This is deeply depressing on a number of levels. But that's, that's the thing is... Like, I grew up in a, in a nice comfort... Like, I was actually very comfortable in mm -hmm. Episcopal Christianity. And to an yeah. extent, when I've gone back to church, I've, I've liked it fairly well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like the ceremony. I yeah. mean, again, you're, you're, you're talking to someone who is into crystals and energy work mm -hmm. and someone who is into meditation and uh, someone who sees God in the stars yeah. rather than in, you know, some guy who looks like Zeus that a Renaissance painter painted. No, no, no shade on Renaissance painters. No, well, I, I you know, except for the ones who kind of codified white Jesus. I got a little bit of beef for them. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Codified white Jesus. I have a massive pro problem with. I can't. Yeah. There's too much baggage. I can't look at that person and see a savior anymore. I, I can't just I, I, I thought I one of the reasons that I keep pursuing Christian faith is I find myself praying. And yeah. moments of weakness we're going to be talking about that at some point what yeah. the hell is prayer and what is so the point I, of side note I, I got a, i got a friend of mine who who uh, is an artist who does a, a magnificent photo of a black jesus I, I have that hanging in my in my hallway and i normally put it in videos sometimes i'll, I'll drop a link in the description of that one and, and i do i do but, like the idea of black jesus jesus specifically because i find i find myself when i see portrayals of black jesus seeing a face that I, I want to be humble too, and that I want to I want to confess to that I, I want to listen to, and that I feel uncomfortable in myself in a way that I think that I think we should when we're examining the mm -hmm. the depths of the soul and like what it. Sorry, I'm going off on like no, no, but you you did touch on one point. Goddamn, <laughs> you did touch on one point that I think is a good place for us to kind of land on today. Which okay, is, excellent. Uh, the, the bit about uh, about the, the ritual and how we worship, um, which, you know, is as connected to whether we say or do not say goddamn or other swear words, because it's all about the, the practice and the, the, um, the mandate of practice down the generations. The thing about the structure of religion, it is comfortable um, and, and it is useful. And I mean, there's a reason why even for this community, I don't get up to do my preaching videos without a stole on. Um, even if I even if I shuck the robe from time to time and it's not because like I'm required to like I could preach without it if I wanted to and it's not because I'm holding on to it like a baby holds on to his blanket or nothing because I'm scared not to no it's because uh, these pieces of ritual they're tools 
the tools that we've built and refined over centuries, even millennia, and they are effective for some people and they are comfortable for some people. Uh, and the trick of, of religious ritual as a tool is like using any tool, knowing when to use it and when not to use it and how to use it when you do. And I don't claim to be an expert on that. Like I'm still relatively new to the game. Um, I, I am guaranteed to be getting things wrong, even on that. Um, you know, for, for that's all a nice the, admission to hear from a pastor, honestly. You anyway. know, for, for all of the uh, authority that the robe and stole seems to grant, like I am as failable as the next guy. Lord knows it. Uh, <laughs> I'm great at making mistakes. It is my number one skill. Um, but you know, these religious rituals from the from the hymns and the spiritual songs to the, the liturgical order of worship to the to the robe and the stole and the choirs and all of these different pieces, uh, they are useful in as much as people are comfortable participating. Uh, and if, it, if, if like you're not comfortable with that, that particular ritual practice, most of them aren't required. Like even, this pisses people off to hear it, even hardcore rituals, like the way we do the Lord's Supper and the way we do baptism, uh, they're not textually mandated. Like, the Lord's Supper is a ritual we built based on the way Jesus did the Last Supper. Um, and we took the do this in remembrance of me in a very literal way and created a ritual out of it. And it's a useful ritual. It, it is useful for remembering Jesus and remembering the Last Supper and all that came from that. Uh, and we do it for a good reason. But well, Symbology can be really important. Oh, and yeah. Sim symbolism, symbology, ritual practice like the, the collective um, unconscious, the collective narrative history, all of that means something to us. Uh, and and let's, not, let's not mince words, baptism is a practice that we literally created from whole cloth based on an old Jewish purification ritual that we just kind of rolled with. Um, like they're useful to us, they connect us to our stories, but they, and this is important, they're not deal breakers. None of it is deal breakers, they're just useful. Uh, and part of being the church today is exploring those connections where these things we've been doing for a long time aren't helping and now they're hurting. And that doesn't just mean our longstanding belief that the gays are bad, that's not been a longstanding belief, it's only about 250 years, give or take. Um, but another discussion for, for later down the line. Oh, yeah. um, but even the smaller practices, like, do we allow for swearing? Um, the churches, modern churches have started exploring this with the introduction in the introduction of like praise music and rock bands in churches, which is like the most asinine way to explore this issue possible. <laughs> but it is, it, it is the same thing. Suddenly the, suddenly the organ is a negotiable. Suddenly the choirs are a negotiable. Um, that applies to other things and we don't have to just go from one to the other. We can look at that in different ways. To keep the music analogy, one of the uh, best worship experiences I had was at a, a church in New Jersey where the musician contingent consisted of uh, piano, guitar, bass, drums, pipe organ, Ilian pipes, field pipes, two clarinets and a banjo. <laughs> and it was, it was lit. It was the best service I've ever been to. It was great. 
And if any of y'all are watching, you, you yeah, as, mu as much as I might dunk on my old church periodically as mm -hmm. just a matter of course and my own way of healing, I guess. Um, there was a point at which they, and usually used in different services, but they had both a praise band and a bell choir. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know. Yeah. And that's, you know, those things existing side by side is one thing, but like a lot of things that we assume are binaries and aren't, it's a spectrum. We can go any different direction with that. And it ain't just praise music. It's liturgy. It's what we choose to wear. It's how we choose to behave as Christians. You know, in as much as it is, is useful to connecting us to Christ and to God, then let it be useful. If it is not connecting us, if it's pushing us or others farther away, if it is, as Paul described, a stumbling block, then get it the fuck out of there. <laughs> I got you swearing now too. Well, I don't have you swearing. Well, you didn't get me enough. anything. You've known me long enough to know that that is yeah. more default than not. <laughs> yeah, I've run out uh, of beverages. <laughs> well, this is, a, this is, I think, a perfect time to stop. We got a good amount of a good amount of talking here. Uh, if you if you uh, have been listening this far, great, glad, glad that you uh, joined us. If you if you're still watching or listening, I'm so happy you stuck around, Courtney. I want to thank you for for joining uh, for this conversation. I'm looking forward to a lot more of these. Um, this My is, smartassery is at your disposal. Oh, great! I love it. Um, this is going to go up on YouTube and on our podcast stream. So if you're just listening, you can check it out on YouTube. If you're watching, you can go on the podcast stream and uh, uh, listen as as well. Uh, when I'm done editing and posting it. I'm also going to drop a link in the description to my artist friend I mentioned earlier with the Black Jesus. I'm sure she could use a bump. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of pluggables, Courtney, you got anything you want to throw out there? Anywhere people can track you down? Um, I, I, I am still uh, intrinsically terrified of the, the table flippery of promoting my, my own art uh, in a religious setting. Mm. Um, I make stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm findable. <laughs> you make stuff and you make good stuff. And uh, I, I still want to get you to make good stuff for me to use in worship because you are good at making the good stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I need need to ma make you a cross, but I, I suffer from a an overabundance of procrastination. Yeah. So, uh, In the meantime, any of you who want to uh, find us, our, our website is uh, down in the description. Um, and I'm also going to have uh, links to that and to our Discord server down there. So come check us out. We would love for you guys to, to join us. Uh, we, we, have, we have a fun community where we continue these sorts of conversations online near constantly through that Discord server. So you know, come join in it. We also got a, a running Bible study and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I, I hope we'll see you all there. Right. All right. Well, we'll catch you all in the next episode of this We Do. Take care. Mm -hmm.